0: Well, it's almost 12 years since I stood here to preach to you, um, and I thank Jack Berry and the committee and Alec Evans and the session for inviting me to be here on this extraordinary day. Who would have ever thought, having helped you celebrate the 150th anniversary of this church, that, that I would be back to join in the celebration of the 175th? And I want to say what a blessing it's been to watch you over the last 12 years and to see the vitality and the excitement and the outreach and the mission and the financial security of this congregation. It has been a wonderful blessing to me, your former pastor. I give God thanks every day for you and your witness. Now, turning from human words to God's word, Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. Listen for God's word. <clears throat> Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun. And his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. While Peter was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from from the cloud a voice said, This is my Son, the Beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground, ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. O Lord, lift up me, that I might lift up thee, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The festivities have begun. As one of our most active members, a woman who was active in this church for almost 50 years, would have said, well, hooray. And I'll give $20 to the walk-in ministry for every one of you who can tell me who said that. I mean it. We couldn't ask for better company on a day such as this. Moses and Elijah, of course, and Jesus and three disciples, whom Jesus chose for this unique occasion. Moses, born in slavery, raised in Pharaoh's palace with a silver spoon in his mouth, Moses, who became the reluctant liberator of the Hebrew slaves in Egypt, finding courage at last to speak truth to power, designated throughout history by Jews and by Christians as the lawgiver. Elijah, representative of all the prophets of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Nathan, who likewise spoke spoke truth to power and who did not hesitate to call out for judgment and correction the rulers and the people of Israel. Elijah's fame is linked to the infamy of King Ahab and Jezebel, about whom it was written, there was no king who sold himself to do what was evil in the sight of the Lord like Ahab, whom Jezebel, his wife, incited." Moses and Elijah are good company for us, a congregation for 175 years who have sought and still seek justice, who often love mercy, and who sometimes, if not always, walk humbly with God. Yet to probe the deeper meaning of this story, even as we rescue it from its usual interpretation as spiritual therapy, we need to look at the context. Six days later, it begins. What happened six days ago? Peter and Jesus had their encounter in Caesarea Philippi on the way to Jerusalem. That's what happened six days ago. And Jesus queries his disciples about his reputation. What do people say about me? Who do they say that I am? And then more pointedly, who do you say that I am? And Peter jumps to the front of the line as usual and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus praises him and confers upon him great honor. I will build my church on you, Peter, the rock. And what's more, you will be given the keys of the kingdom, the power of binding and loosing the keys of the kingdom. And then famously, Jesus speaks that off-repeated revelation to his disciples, that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day rise. When Peter hears that, he seizes Jesus and says, God forbid, Lord, that shall never happen to you. And Jesus says, the hell you say? You are getting in my way. You speak of human aspirations. You're not even close to what God wants. Then Jesus speaks those difficult words, those who would come after me, let them deny themselves and take up their crosses and follow me. For whoever saves her life will lose it, and whoever loses her life for my sake will find it. For, for what shall it profit us if we gain the whole world and lose our lives? Now it is six days later, now. when Jesus takes Peter, James, and John and leads them up a high mountain apart from the rest of the disciples, there Jesus is transformed. He is metamorphosed before their eyes and joined by the law and the prophets of Israel. Peter jumps to the rescue again. We're always ready to stick his neck out. Lord, it is good for us to be here. Well, well, of course it is. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And before Peter finished speaking, God's divine presence overwhelms them all, and God's voice interrupts Peter. This is my son, my beloved, my precious one. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. The disciples are terrified and fall to the ground with a touch and a word. Jesus gets them to their feet, calms their fears, and tells them not to be afraid. As they make their way back down the mountain, he swears them to secrecy. So what are we to make of this story at the ripe old age of 175? What what difference can it make for the ongoing life of our congregation? Several things. First, we can listen to God's witness, what God had to say, God's confession. God only speaks twice in the Gospel of Matthew, here and at Jesus' baptism. God says the same words, this is my precious son, with him I am well pleased. But then on the Mount of Transfiguration, God adds another word, listen to him. We heard Peter's confession. There are other confessions we could point to in the gospel. But here we have indelibly what God says about Jesus to the church. Just as on another occasion at Sinai, God spoke to Moses and gave Israel the law. Listen to Jesus. And from this, then, we learn about how we are to read the Hebrew Scriptures, which, after all, was the Bible that the disciples had, and of the church for the first 150 years, Here we learn to read to understand the law and the prophets, Moses and Elijah, through the words and life of Jesus, his teaching, his death and resurrection, are the lens which make plain what God speaks to us through the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. Such is especially useful for us today when fundamentalism is ascendant in our culture, when compassion is mocked, When revenge is lauded to the heavens, when biblical literalism reaches up alongside the prosperity gospel and grabs the souls of some of the most powerful people in the United States. Listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus when some of the people who bear Christ's name and at the same time counsel violence and rejoice in revenge. Listen to Jesus who said, You have heard it said of old, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father who is in heaven. For God makes the sun rise on the evil and the good. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Next, we see from this text, we see from this text in Peter an example of what we are not called to be. We are not here to help God. We are not here to give God a leg up. God God does not need us to tell him how to bring in the kingdom, however badly we may believe God is falling down on the job. As we see, if it were left up to us, Jesus would never have gone to Jerusalem to die. That is human arrogance, of which we've been guilty, of course, from the very beginning. Just one taste, just one little bite of this forbidden fruit, it won't do any harm, right? Wrong. We didn't listen. And look, the world is wallowing. That same arrogance comes of long years and many generations in a church like ours of believing ourselves to be not only in charge of our own lives, lives, but sometimes tragically in charge of the lives of others. Of course, I'm re- remembering slavery. Peter is the example of entitlement. He is not a poster child for humility. We people of God need a lot more humility. Listen to him. We can count on God to interrupt us just when we think we're making the right impression on God or doing the right things for God. We're not here to prove ourselves or our faithfulness to God, but we are here to listen to Jesus who will assist us in seeing where we have been wrong in our lifetimes and in our history so that we can seek the forgiveness of those we have wronged and God's forgiveness. If Peter is any example, then the theme of our 175th year is not only gratitude for how much God has done in the church on Fifth Street, but the realization that no matter how far we have come, we will always, always have a long Long way to go. And so we're here to listen and to witness, to rejoice that we have been found and included in the great cloud of witnesses which has sustained us for our whole journey. Listen to Jesus. We surely ought to have nothing today but gratitude when we look at the possibilities which are presented to this congregation by the Spirit at work through the 175th Anniversary Committee. What a lineup. What opportunities await us, what conversations, what controversies, because you can always guarantee that in Virginia, when we start talking about the past, there will be controversy. What possibilities for the future, for growth and for witness, so all through this year, we can take special care to listen in the, word, in the words of Al Nguyen's Declaration of Faith. We can take special care to test any word that comes to us from one another, from the church, from the world, from our own experience, to test that word by the word of God in Scripture. We subject its judgment to all of our understanding. Come unto me, he said, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon yourselves and learn of me, and you will find rest for your souls. Listen to him. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for righteousness, for justice, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of justice, for theirs is the kingdom. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the daughters and the sons of God. Listen to him. The story of the transfiguration is like a searchlight swinging around through Matthew's gospel, stopping here, stopping there, illuminating Jesus' teaching, then and also for us on this anniversary journey. We will be listening to our history. We will be listening to each other. We will be listening to guest speakers. We will be trying to learn from what God has done in us and through us in the past in order to discover what God may yet have to do and accomplish in us now. Listen to him. Finally, lest you think this is just a past sort of paint job covering up the reality of church life, <clears throat> yielding the lily of session meetings of power struggles in property, mission, worship councils, and the child care center, then listen to how Jesus sums up his instructions for faithful living in the Sermon on the Mount. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name and do do many deeds of power in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you evildoers. It is not our job in the life of the church to ferret out the evildoers, who really, that means the antinomians, the lawless ones. Our job in the church is to listen to Jesus and to learn from him who said that he himself was meek and lowly of heart. To learn from him in the long, slow pilgrimage of discipleship. To learn from him as a congregation how to witness, which is to call attention not to ourselves, but to everything God has accomplished in us and through us. And may God bless this witness. Let us pray. Oh God, we come to you today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and ask that you would help us in the year to come to hear who you mean for us to be and what you mean for us to say and what you want us to rejoice in. And to you be all honor and praise and glory forever and ever. Amen.